0: This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. I don't know about you, but there's something about hearing about, like, incredibly interesting, important historical figures who maybe you haven't heard of before. That's, that's just really exciting. The kind of story where you start asking yourself, hold on, like, how, do I, how do I not know about this person? Craig Shreve is interested in stories like that. Craig is an author from North Buxton, Ontario. His new book is called The African Samurai. It's a book about um, a real-life guy named Yusuke, who was an enslaved black man from Africa who became a samurai for some notable Japanese historical figures way back in the 15 and 1600s. Again, this is a true story. And Craig was so inspired by the story, he decided to channel what is known about Yusuke, which isn't a lot, to be honest, and turn it into this really gripping historical fiction. Craig dropped by the Q studio, and I started out by asking him to tell us a little bit more about Yasuke.
1: Sure. Uh, So Yasuke was um, the 16th century uh, East African man. His original place of birth is, um, it's unknown. There's a bit of a dispute, uh, but uh, there's some evidence that he may be from Mozambique or Ethiopia, Sudan. Um, But he uh, traveled to Japan in 1579 in the company of Jesuit missionaries. Um, And there he was gifted to a powerful Japanese warlord and eventually earned enough respect that he was elevated to the role of samurai. And he's the first foreign-born individual to ever be given that honor.
0: Where did you find out about the story?
1: Uh, You know what, I I really stumbled across it. Um, uh, I originally heard Yasuke's story on just a very short YouTube video. Today, we are going to talk about Yasuke,
0: the African man who would come to be remembered as the only ever black samurai. Of
1: course I did. And uh, to be honest, I was skeptical. Um, And so I actually started digging into it because I was, ex- I wanted, I, I was expecting to see that it was a hoax. Oh, uh, thought, you thought you thought someone might
0: be pulling your leg, or yeah, someone might have made yeah, yeah, or, or
1: that it was like misinterpreted, or you know, something along those lines. So I was, uh, I, and it wasn't because I didn't believe it could be true; it was because I couldn't believe that that could be a true story, and I had never heard it before. Right? Um, I thought that's something that would be broadly known if that was the case, and so I started looking into it. And not only is it a true story, but it's far more incredible uh, than what this, you know, very brief um, YouTube video had, had covered. So um, it, it just kept getting more and more incredible the more I dug into it. And so um, eventually I, I started it, uh, working on the book. What was so incredible
0: about it that, like, that, that got you excited
1: about it? Uh, so to me, um, it, it, I think that this is someone who I would have idolized as a kid. Um, I was talking to somebody and I said, like, 12-year-old me would have had his poster on the wall. <laughs> um, and so I want everybody to know this story. So, so that's one thing. Um, and then also, you, you're doing the research, you're looking at the history, and uh, there's a lot of material out there. Um, various parts of his life are better documented than others, certainly. Um, but all of it is observations that are made about Yasuke by others. We don't have anything from him in his own words. Right. Uh, And so I wrote this book in the first person because I want, um, I feel like his story is what's missing. Um, his perspective and his point of view on things. I,
0: I think I know what you mean. Like, there's, We have some historical record of this, of this gentleman, yeah. but we don't have anything from his perspective. Yeah. So you have to sort of, what, a channel him in order to write
1: this from a first-person perspective? <laughs> well, well, yeah. So you have to kind of, um, you really have to kind of build him up from what's known. So there are some things about his character that you can certainly um, glean from the history. Um, and so actually one of the things that, Really attracted me initially is how adaptable he clearly is because um, at various points his circumstances change dramatically mm-hmm. um, and often quite suddenly and yet each time he manages not just to kind of survive that but to find a way to you know f- find an elevated position for himself and make himself valuable uh, to, to people who basically his lives are in the hands in the hands of um, and so you have to kind of put yourself in those shoes, but also put yourself in the headspace of somebody from that time and from his background and experience. And so it's a really interesting process to try to build a person uh, yeah. from that way. Yeah.
0: How do you do that? Do you have to put yourself in there at yeah. all? Or
1: Yeah. And so there's a bit of a fine line there um, because you of course do have to kind of put yourself in there and really be connected to the character. But at the same time, um, you don't want to make it about yourself either, so you have to have a level of kind of remove uh, from that. So there is a bit of a fine line, and sometimes you end up on the wrong side of it and end up having to rewrite um, sections and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, you really just kind of draw bases um, you know, from your own experience and how you think you would react, but then also try to put that in the context of what his world is like. Did you feel, like, connected to him? Uh, absolutely, um, but at the same time, I, I, mean, I have to say that writing the story that way and, and kind of developing the character that way, there's some guesswork as well. So I, I feel connected to him, but I also don't know if, I can't say that I got him right. Yeah. You know, like, um, I, uh, I did my best to try to, um, let people know what his experiences would have been like. Um, but, uh, I, I could be off. You know, I, I have to admit that uh, it is an unknown and that's the whole thing uh, with historical fiction is you're writing kind of – you're taking the known as a basis for writing into the unknown. Um,
0: would there have been um, – would, would Japan at that time in the late 1500s have uh, seen a lot of um, uh, black, black folks come to town?
1: No, and and actually they wouldn't have had much outside influence uh, from anywhere other than China and Korea. So um, Yasuke arrives in 1579. Um, The first Europeans didn't arrive until, I believe, 1543, so fairly short period of time. Um, And so the Japanese people at that time living in the port cities, they uh, would have had experience with outsiders and with Africans on the trade ships and et cetera, Uh, But in central Japan, many people had never seen an African before. Uh, And in fact, when Yasuke arrives in Kyoto for the first time, which was the capital at the time, uh, there was a riot uh, from people that charged out into the streets to uh, kind of get a glimpse of him and get close to him. And there were three people who were reported as having been crushed to death. Uh, in wow. this riot. So he was definitely a spectacular sight um, to the people in central Japan.
0: Was there something um, I, I heard you and I'm trying to remember it now, but I heard you talk in another interview about this, that there was something interesting to you about that. And given that th- he he wouldn't have had stereotypes placed on on him.
1: Exactly. So um, the people of Japan at that time would not have stereotypes or, or uh, prejudices or biases against Africans. Um, or about Africans because they had no experience with them, um, so Yasuke would have been judged as an individual because there was nothing else to judge him by, uh, and that was a really a refreshing element to be able to kind of write into the story. But it was also challenging as well. Mean? Well, it, it's challenging to kind of put yourself in that um, space because today we, you know, all of our cultures interact so much, and we all have. Um, you know, different thoughts, and, and we all have our biases that we have to overcome, and et cetera. Um, so to try to imagine like a, a first contact with another culture that you have no experience with, um, and how they would have responded, you know, positively, negatively, etc. Uh, it is a challenge. It's not. It's not something that we have experience with today, really. But you
0: said it was refreshing too. How do you mean? What do you mean by that?
1: Um, to just have a, a, this African man show up in Japan and be judged as an individual, mm. um, and, and you know, with no baggage attached. That's a kind of a unique element of the story, I think, because a lot of times when you see, um. Cultural connections in in literature or in other media there's there's something to overcome
0: mm. Mm. there's something to overcome there's yeah. there's a there's a existing uh, racism or or bias or stereotyping to overcome but you were you were able to write this person just having just existing, getting to be meeting people, you know
1: Exactly. So there were obstacles that he had to overcome by virtue of being an outsider to Japanese culture, but none of them were specific to him being African. Um, he had to it, it was just the same kind of resistance to outside interference or outside contact um, that any of the Europeans faced and etc. We will be right back. I'm Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank.
0: Jessie Cruikshank.
1: I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend.
0: Girl. Can we talk a little bit uh, about your hometown?
1: Sure, absolutely. North Buxton, Ontario? Uh, North Buxton, Ontario. Um, it was uh, formerly known as the Elgin Settlement, um, and it is uh, recognized as a national historic site uh, by the government of Canada since 1999. Uh, so it was a popular terminus on the Underground Railroad, uh, and there's a there's a Black History Museum there, a small museum. Um, and so... I always kind of got grew up understanding or or having some sense at least uh, of the importance of the roots there.
0: Um, and you're and if my my understanding is that you 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 have your family. Um, you, you have quite a notable family in this country. Can you talk a little bit about them?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm the um, I, I think it's five greats. Maybe I kinda, <laughs> I rely on my dad for the family tree, but uh, I think you know. Five great-grandfather uh, uh, is uh, Abraham Dorshad. Uh, he's commemorated on a Canadian postage stamp uh, as the uh, the first black man to be elected to public office in Canada. Um, and then his daughter is my four great-aunt, yeah, I Four great-aunt, yeah, 4 yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Mary Ann Shad is well-known, um, pioneering newspaper woman, um, abolitionist and suffragette. Um, she was posthumously in, uh, inducted into the... Uh, uh, National Women's Hall of Fame in the U.S. Uh, and her 200th birthday is coming up on October 14th. So I know there are some events. Uh, there's an event here, uh, and there are a few others kind of around the province, maybe around the country, um, commemorating that as well.
0: Did you grow up sort of knowing that you had this sort of um, legendary, or I mean, legendary? <laughs> legendary sort of means legend. Like, does it right. had this sort of incredibly important, incredibly meaningful, you know, uh, people in Black Canadian history and Canadian history in general? In your family, did you grow up aware of that?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, North Buxton is the kind of town where you have to know the history. Like, no one is going to let you not <laughs> be aware of the history of the town and history of the people there. Um, when you hear the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, that is, uh, it, North Buxton is absolutely that kind of town where, you know, everybody is your parent by proxy. <laughs> um, so um, they can punish you, but they can also teach you. So you get a b- bunch of different lessons from different people. Um, so I, I grew up knowing the history and, and those connections, um, and I've always been very proud of those. Did, does that inspire you to be, the, to be a writer? Um. I don't know that it inspired me to be a writer, but it's always inspired me to kind of try to contribute something to the family name, um, Mm. you know, because um, they've done so much and I, you know, I've always been proud of the association with them um, that I want, uh, I wanted to do something and, 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 you know, have people around me be proud to be associated with me as well. So um, it's never, I've never felt it as pressure, but I've always felt it as kind of like a positive motivation to, to just try to contribute something.
0: I guess I'm trying to figure out why you're drawn to telling because I know your your, your, your uh, other books as well, your other book as well mm-hmm. uh, and and now with this one, like why what it is that draws you because it's a very specific let me use this word sure. for the first time <laughs> milieu to oh. be oh, thank you very much uh, to 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 be in, which is um lesser known uh historical works. In involving black characters, involving involving black stories, but you know le- lesser known uh, stories. What, what I'm trying to figure out what yeah. draws you to that. Yeah,
1: so I, I think there's maybe a couple of things there, and and definitely relate it to North Buxton. I think one maybe um, growing up and having that historical background, the more popular stories were always well known to me. Um, and so the lesser-known stories are are where I find new information. So I think having that kind of like solid base uh, of black history that I was fortunate enough to have mm. uh, probably has led me to look for uh, more unique stories that are outside of that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. That's uh, fascinating. And my, my understanding is, hold on, this
0: this story is really interesting. <laughs> why isn't it? Why isn't Yasuke's story better known?
1: You know what? It's. Uh, that's the reaction I get from so many people uh, is that they can't believe that there's not a a book already, a movie already, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And, uh, you know, I've I've thought about that. And the only thing I can think of is that we do tend to uh, break history up into categories and we study it in these kind of cultural silos. And this one doesn't fit into any of those. It wouldn't it's not really a part of Japanese history in the way that you would study Japanese history. It's not a part of black history in in terms of what you would study for black history, and et cetera. And I I think it's kind of fallen between the cracks because it doesn't fit into any of these historical categories that we we tend to study and talk about and present. Um, And, you know, in the course of researching this, of course, you kind of get dragged off in other directions and go down rabbit holes. And I've come across a number of other stories, not at all related to to African and Japan relations, but um, other similar types of cultural crossover stories that um, similarly, I think, have fallen through the cracks. And so uh, it's been very kind of rewarding to come across a number of those, but this one especially.
0: It it really is a really compelling story. And my my understanding is that this book is already optioned for a TV series through Netflix? Uh, That's correct. I mean, it must be so meaningful to you. I mean, like you said, you take these these histories that are not the best known histories, but they're very meaningful histories on a bunch of different levels of we've talked about. It must be so meaningful to you that people are not only going to be able to find uh, this story, uh, Yasuke's story through your book, but also through this Netflix show, if it all goes according to plan. That story will no longer be a hidden story.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, And I I would love for Yasuke to become a mainstream character. I would love for other people to do projects with him, do other books, do um, graphic novels, do TV, movie projects, whatever. And, and, you know, I think there's enough blank space there. There are enough um, things that are open to interpretation that um, you could do completely different takes on this character and this story. Um, So I think there's a lot of room there for other people to do things. And I definitely feel like this is a character who should be part of the mainstream uh, consciousness, I guess.
0: I tell you, I wish I was this productive when I was going to (laughs) go scrolling on YouTube. I got to tell you, like when I'm (laughs) when I'm when I'm lazing off work and scrolling on YouTube, I wish I wish I was half as productive as you are. Uh, Thank you so much for making the time. Congratulations on the book and uh, lovely to meet you.
1: Thank you for the conversation. It's been great.
0: Craig Shreve is the author of the new novel, The African Samurai. That book is out now, and it's been optioned as a future Netflix series. That's it for this episode of Q. The other episode we have up today is my conversation uh, with Lisa Moore about the adaptation of her novel, February, which is about the, um, the one of the greatest tragedies in Newfoundland and Labrador history, uh, the, the, oil, the sinking of the oil rig, the ocean ranger. We had that conversation in Newfoundland at the, stu- at the studio in St. John's. So um, uh, go check that out wherever you get this podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on.
1: For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.